Welcome to Modern Murders, a true crime podcast about murders after the year 2000. I'm your host, Ariel. This is episode 11, The Death of Harmony Jade Creech. Johnny Michelle Huser was a 25-year-old and raising four young children while her partner, Ronald Creech, was serving a 15-month tour in Iraq. Ronald was finishing his third tour in the fall of 2007 and anxiously waiting to see his family, especially his 11-month-year-old daughter, Harmony. She was born on November 15, 2006, while he was on tour. He had only seen her once to meet her after her birth. Michelle was 25 when she gave birth to Harmony, and all things seemed to be normal in their North Carolina house. While Ronald was touring in Iraq, Michelle bonded with friends online, playing Final Fantasy XI, and when Ronald was home, they would play together, and Michelle's character looked just like her. When Ronald arrived to the airport on October 20, 2007, Michelle's mom Brenda had picked him up from the Pope Air Force Base in the very early hours. Michelle was at home with the four kids, so Brenda was nice enough to drive Ronald back to his house. When they arrived to his modest single-story brick home in Spring Lake, they both went inside to say hi to the family. Ronald dropped his things at the door and he went into Harmony's room to see his little girl, but she wasn't in the crib. So Ronald told Brenda that Harmony wasn't there, so thinking that she was with Michelle, they went into her room where she was sleeping. They woke up Michelle and asked, where's Harmony? But she said that she was in her room. Brenda and Ron's heart sank, and they told Michelle that they just checked the crib and Harmony wasn't there. They all raced into the room to turn on the lights and noticed that a window was open. The mesh screen had been pushed out, and Michelle started to lose it, saying that someone took Harmony. The three other children in the house started to wake up to the screams and the yelling of their mother. Brenda called 911 to report Harmony being abducted, and Michelle can be heard in the background of the five-minute 911 call. When the police arrived to the house, they asked Michelle for some information and also a photo of Harmony so that they could send out an Amber Alert statewide. Michelle told the police that the last time she saw Harmony was 11 p.m. the night before when she put her down for bed. Harmony was wearing pink pajamas with a shirt that said, Daddy's Girl. She has blue eyes and blonde hair. Michelle also told police that some of Harmony's toys and clothes were missing from her bedroom as well. Police acted very quickly, and I'm quite impressed with their work. They dispatched the FBI and had a 32-member evidence response team come in to search the house for any clues to where Harmony may be. Since the FBI needed everyone out of the house while they searched, the police asked if the family could come with them to be interviewed. The fact that there were three other children in the house during the time of her abduction made police hopeful that one of the kids may have seen or heard something to narrow their search. The kids were all asleep that night, so unfortunately they didn't have any helpful information, but at the same time, fortunately, none of them were harmed. While police were talking to the family, the FBI was searching the entire house, and this included the attic, since there were so many things stored up there. It wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility for the person who abducted Harmony to be hiding out in the attic until things calmed down. When the police went up into the attic, they started removing bags of clothes and Xbox and other various boxes. 
the evidence team member noticed a smell growing stronger and stronger as they took more and more items from the attic and passed them down below to the other team members. Investigators came across a diaper box, and when they opened it was a plastic bag. Inside the plastic bag was the body of Harmony. Her small body was so badly decomposed it was skeletonized. Directions to a local dump site were also found in the bags that contained her clothes. Detectives with Michelle were notified of the discovery and the nature of Harmony's body, but they felt that canceling the Amber Alert would tip off Michelle that Harmony had already been found. They chose to keep the Amber Alert going while they continued to get her story straight. She was answering the police's questions, but as the questions became more specific and contradicting to her story, she found it difficult to find an answer. Michelle was so confident in clearing her name and finding Harmony that she consented to a polygraph. She failed the polygraph showing that she was a habitual liar and that nothing that she was saying was true. Now, I don't agree with polygraphs, and I don't personally think that they should be used in an investigation, but for this case in particular, I find her actions to be very interesting. We know that her child's body has been dead for at least a few days due to the decomposition, but Michelle insists that Harmony was taken within the last 10 hours. I think Michelle had gotten away with lying before and thought that she could get out of any situation if she convinced herself of it too, but I think she started to realize that the police were not believing her story. Detectives finally asked Michelle how Harmony's body got into her attic and why the child had been dead for some time. They asked her why she made up the abduction story and tried to hide her daughter's death. Michelle couldn't find an answer for these questions, and eventually she cracked. She told police that she found Harmony dead in her crib a few weeks ago, and that she was afraid to call 911 because she was afraid that she would be blamed for her death. In fear of losing her other children, she hid Harmony's body in the attic, and when people asked where Harmony was, she would tell them some sort of story about her being at her grandparents' or a play date, anything to push away suspicion. Michelle didn't mention any medical problems or other known issues that Harmony had prior to her death. Police arrested Michelle after her interrogation, and they broke the news to the rest of her family and canceled the Amber Alert. Ronald and Brenda could not believe the story they were hearing. Number one, that Harmony was deceased. And number two, that Michelle was arrested under suspicion in her death. Michelle's three remaining kids were placed in foster care in the meantime, and fortunately they didn't show signs of harm from Michelle. While Harmony's body was being analyzed by a medical examiner, the evidence team started looking through the Xbox 360 to see if Michelle had been in contact with anyone recently. A source I found shows that Michelle was actively playing Final Fantasy two days before Harmony's body was found, and I think it's very weird that the Xbox was found in the attic. So if she's playing two days before the Xbox was found in the attic, did she put the Xbox up there recently? Or was she playing on another computer or another console of some sort? The game she was playing did have a chat feature. So they wanted to look to see if she may have been saying something about Harmony or um, if anything was off about her communication with her friends. And they noticed that her MySpace page showed that she had a lot of gaming friends, and she even considered them part of her family. 
I looked at her MySpace page and some of the photos were still up, fortunately, and there were screenshots of her playing Final Fantasy of her character and other people's characters. So she was very active in it. I think it was a big part of her life. The investigators couldn't find anyone that knew about Michelle's situation with Harmony, and no one seemed to notice a difference in her behavior. At first, I didn't initially believe the video games had anything to do with Harmony's death. I didn't really see a correlation, but it wasn't until I saw the medical examiner's findings that that changed everything. The cause of death was inconclusive because Harmony's body had been so badly decomposed that it was practically skeletonized, so there wasn't an autopsy to be done. It was more just looking at the remains. The medical examiner estimated that Harmony could have been dead for roughly a month, which was consistent with Michelle's timeline of August 31st to September 30th. Now, I have to interject here because this part really upset me as I thought about it, because Michelle could not give an exact date of when Harmony died. She gave an entire month's timeline, not a few days, but between August 31st and September 30th. Harmony's remains were found on October 20th of the same year, not 10 years later, not even one year later, but one month later. I remember the day, the time, and what I was doing when 9-11 was being reported on TV, but she can't remember what day of the week that her own child died. I feel like she knew when she died, she just conveniently forgot when the police asked. The medical examiner also noted that Harmony's medical history did show signs of neglect, and a forensic anthropologist who also looked at the remains felt that it was very possible that Harmony may have starved to death. I don't know if they were looking at the bone density, but I would imagine that they could probably figure out nutritional composition in the bones themselves, and this is why they felt like maybe she had been malnourished or lacking nutrition. Harmony's toxicology also came back showing signs of nicotine in her system, but I'm not quite sure if this is really relevant. I just wanted to point it out because the nicotine could have gotten into her system via secondhand smoke or through breast milk. So I do think it's terrible that she had nicotine in her system, but I don't necessarily think this shows that she was malnourished or neglected. When police initially entered Michelle's house on October 20th, they noted that the house was completely messy and filthy. One of the detectives, after coming out of the house searching, said that the house is almost inhabitable. Social workers were previously called to the house in August to follow up on a complaint that was made, but the children were allowed to stay with their mom. Following Harmony's death, Neighbors later told police that they noticed a foul odor in the neighborhood for several weeks, and some neighbors even checked their yards, thinking that the smell may have been coming from a dead animal outside. It wasn't until the temperatures started to cool and drop that the smell finally started to subside in the neighborhood. There was a vent in the attic, so I'm not sure if the house smelled as bad as it did outside, but one could only imagine that Michelle was reminded every day of what that smell was and where it was coming from. So the reason I think the video gaming is important to the story is the fact that Michelle had another life online and Harmony was thought to be malnourished. I don't think that Michelle's other kids were neglected as severely because they were a little bit older. They were able to get food out of the fridge in the pantry, so they're not as vulnerable as a infant baby. I think that having a baby was a lot for Michelle and that she may have been consumed in video games to the point where... Harmony became weaker and weaker and just passed away from malnourishment and severe neglect. 
It could have been a bacterial infection from not changing a diaper as well. Michelle was only 25 when she had Harmony, and she already had three other kids. That's a lot of kids for someone in their mid-20s, and it's a struggle for sure, but many people are in her exact same situation and do just fine. I think that Michelle knew that the signs of neglect would be obvious, and that's why she concealed the death of Harmony's body so that it wouldn't be evident that she neglected her to the point of death. Babies can die of SIDS, and parents are not criminally charged for this. So if it was true that Harmony was totally well taken care of, no medical history, and just suddenly passed away, that it would have been like totally understandable for Michelle to call 911 and for them to find that it was just a sudden death. But I think that the fact that the signs of neglect were so severe, I think that Michelle knew that she screwed up, and so she just kept lying to keep people from finding out. Ronald was devastated to know that his baby girl died, and a statement was made by a military spokesperson, Major Tom Earnhardt. I'm going to paraphrase the statement, but it pretty much said that Michelle was good at deceiving everyone who would ask where Harmony was. The stories were credible, and everyone believed her. His goal was to complete his mission and return home to his children. When he returned home, he returned to tragedy, and he would never wish this upon any parent. When Michelle attended her first court hearing, she asked for a court-appointed lawyer. She showed little to no emotion through the remainder of her court hearings, and a lot of people found this to be odd, that she didn't cry that her baby was dead or that her kids had been taken away. She was just kind of going through the motions. In 2009, Michelle was indicted by a grand jury on first-degree murder charges. She later made a plea deal to spare her the death penalty, and she pled guilty to second-degree murder. On December 6, 2010, Michelle was convicted and sentenced to 11 years with the possibility of parole. Johnny Michelle Huser was granted parole, and she's now out of prison. She's 38 years old, and I tried to do a search to see where she's at now, but I couldn't find her, so it's very possible she might have changed her name, or maybe she's going under a different last name. This case was kept shut to the public because of the FBI involvement. I wish I could have seen the court documents for this case, but another part of me is glad that I don't have to read through the details because it does involve a victim so young, and I do have a problem with reading about innocent victims being neglected in such a pretty severe way. I wish this story ended here, but unfortunately, there is one last bit of the story that I do have to add. After serving his country in Operation Iraqi Freedom, Ronald became a veteran and found a passion for motorcycles. He moved to Huntsville, Alabama, and was working as a school bus mechanic. He joined a motorcycle group for veterans to help deal with what he experienced in the military and also what he experienced when he came back home. Ronald was riding his motorcycle on September 15, 2017, when he was hit by a drunk driver. The driver was 39-year-old Jerome Leon Leslie, who left the scene, and Ronald later passed away from his injuries at the age of 33. Jerome was indicted in 2017, and he later pled guilty to manslaughter in February of this year. His sentencing was on March 27th of this year, but I wasn't able to find any news updates on his court hearing, so it's very possible that with this whole COVID-19 pandemic that they have postponed his court date until this pandemic is over. Sergeant Ronald Creech II, otherwise known as Little Ron, in the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, was buried next to his daughter Harmony in Piney Grove, Alabama. Both their lives were cut tragically short, and my heart goes out to the Creech family. 
Ronald is survived by his son, Evan James Creech. I apologize for this episode coming out so late. It's been so hard with this pandemic and sharing such a small space and a computer with my husband. I apologize if there's any new noises in the recordings. I just realized that as I'm recording this, my neighbors are banging up against the wall, so I hope they're okay. Um, But the audio hasn't been the greatest, so I'm trying to figure out a new way to record where it still sounds okay for you guys. And I appreciate you for listening. I know that everyone's schedule is so messed up and we're not commuting anymore and listening to our podcast, but I still listen to other people's podcasts as I'm taking a shower, cleaning, you know, doing the dishes, whatever. So I hope you all are staying safe. Where I'm at, it's a very big threat. We're still on lockdown and sometimes it's three days that I don't go outside. So I try to force myself to at least get a little bit of fresh air and walk around. But it is such a strange time to be living in. And I just hope that everybody stays strong and everybody stays safe. I don't know what else to say. Thank you so much. And I apologize for my previous episodes. I had two episode nines and I did change them on the the way that they're listed, but in the recording, I still say episode nine. And honestly, it's too much work to go back and edit it to say episode 10. So I'm just going to leave it the way it is. But going forward, I caught myself, I goofed up and hopefully from now on, I'll get my episodes in line in order. (laughs) So thank you so much. (laughs) 